Hello, and welcome to the Christ Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. This is Matthew Best. I serve as pastor of Christ Lutheran Church in Allison Hill in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here. If today's message connects with you and what you're going through, brings you inspiration, or offers connection with God, I ask you to please stay on after the message for just a few moments to learn ways to connect with the congregation and the health ministries that we offer. And now, let's dive into God's Word. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. From that time on, after Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you're setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. I saw this story. It's from the Christian Post. I don't normally read the Christian Post, but the article, the headline, caught my attention. And this is just from August 25th, so a little bit over a week ago. Very recent, and the title says, Prosperity Gospel on the Rise Among U.S. Church Goers, Survey Finds. I'll just read a, a couple of sections here that I thought were interesting. An increasing share of American Protestant churchgoers believe that financial prosperity is part of God's plan for them and that giving more money in their church and charities will result in blessings from God. So here's the, here's the stats for those of you who are statistics people. And this was a study conducted last year, about, about a year ago, and it was released this week. It found that 52% of churchgoers say that their church teaches that God will bless them if they donate more, up from 38% in 2017. Additionally, 76% believe God wants them to prosper financially, an increase from 69% in the same year. The belief that they must do something for God to receive material blessing has also risen to just under half. And this is the, the 
quote from the guy who's the executive director of the, the company that did this research. In the last five years, far more churchgoers are reflecting prosperity gospel teachings, including the heretical belief that material blessings are earned from God. So what do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> See some thumbs down. Boy, 75% of American Protestants think that, this is my summary, that faith is just a transaction, just like everything else in life. Go to the store, you pay money, you get something else in return. That's what transactions are. It's transactional is what a lot of folks apparently are saying. It's a, it's a very popular, if you want to see full churches, they're, they're, just go on, on the TV. You can, see, you can see televangelists who pack stadiums and they will say this message and then they're going around and saying, you know, God tells me that I need a fifth jet. <laughs> really? A fifth jet? Do you even need one? This is a popular message. And, I, and I'm, it, it has been for a while. I, in, in one sense, it fits very much with, with American culture and standards, in the sense of what, what, do we, what do we consider to be successful in our culture? If you've got a lot of money, if you've got a lot of stuff, whether that's good or bad doesn't matter. It's just, that's, if that's what our culture says is successful, why wouldn't we think that's what it means in terms of faith? That's what I hear in a lot of, a lot of what's in this, this article, is that people are seeing their connection between what they experience most of the time in life, which, is, which are transactions and a focus on being successful according to society with what it means, how do you define success in faith? It's a more ambiguous thing. Success isn't the same thing in faith. And, and I say this because when I take a look at our gospel reading, the fascinating thing, it's right there at the very beginning. Last week, if you remember, uh, Jesus is, uh, is standing with his disciples, and he says, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, or a prophet, but who do you say that I am, Jesus Ask them. And Peter has this declaration, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So how did we go from Peter with this declaration of you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, to get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Whew. That took a jump. <sighs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got it, angel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
I want to I want to talk a little bit about this because I think this is this is the 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 big the big thing with this. I, another way of translating that is, uh, you know, so so. So Jesus starts describing what the Messiah means. Peter has said, you are the Messiah. And so Jesus is like, yeah, you're right. You got it. Let me tell you what that means. That we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over. I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to die at the hands of your religious leaders. And without saying it, the Roman Empire. Because they're in cahoots with each other. That's what the Messiah is about. Peter has been taught throughout his entire life about what a Messiah is. And it doesn't sound like what Jesus is saying. Messiah in Jewish history has always been coming to save their people and set them free from occupation. He's expecting a sword. And Jesus is saying, no. Don't set your mind to what the world expects because I ain't going to do that. We don't conquer evil by becoming evil ourselves, which is extremely difficult teaching. So when, when Peter says, God forbid it, after Jesus is talking about this, he's rebuking him. Peter, who, you know, the ace, the ace student in the class who, you know, just got all the praise last week, now is going, well, uh, Peter, uh, uh, Jesus, you know I'm the ace student in the class. And uh, what you're saying here, uh, Jesus, does not match up with my understanding of things. And so, you, you know, I'll, I, I have pulled you aside to kind of say, maybe you ought to reconsider this. And so Jesus, in saying... He says, get behind me, Satan, is really what he's saying is, Peter, you're supposed to be following me, not leading in front. And when he calls him Satan, he's saying, tempter. It's recalling back to earlier in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 4, where Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and the tempter is there. And one of the key things, the last temptation that, that the devil has is bow down before me and I will give you all of the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus rejected that. And here we have Peter who is really close to Jesus saying, I'm expecting you to do that. Rise up. Throw off Rome. Let's take over. Because that's what messiahs are supposed to do. There's a long history of this. Jesus isn't the first person to come up and say, I'm the, I'm the messiah, or be recognized as the messiah. In Jewish history, you, have, you go back uh, about 100, about 200 years before this, this encounter What's happening is Israel is, is under the oppression of the Seleucid Empire. And, and Judas Maccabeus rises up. His nickname is the Hammer. Nice guy, right? Uh, and, 
he violently leads, he leads an overthrow of the Seleucid Empire. And it's violent, and it's deadly, and it's destructive. And as a result, they get 100 years of political freedom until the Romans come and take them over. That's what people are expecting as a Messiah. Judas Maccabeus, the hammer. And so in Jesus, you are the Messiah. There's a long line of folks, failed Messiahs, who have tried to cause revolts and are crushed. When Peter says you're the Messiah, this is what he's thinking. And Peter and Jesus is saying, no, I'm not that type of a Messiah. I'm not going to use violence to overcome violence. We're going to use love. Love will conquer, but not in the way that you expect. It's costly, extremely costly. I've already done this, Peter, in the wilderness, and I reject it. Let's get back in line, and let's keep going on the path that we're going on. That's what he's saying. So in here, you've got Jesus saying, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. This is a, this is a phrase that lots of folks know. And, and I can't help but think, going back to this original article, how does it match up? If any are going to be my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. With God wants us to prosper financially, and if we, and if we give God something, we'll get something in return. I'm really struggling with that. So what does it look like to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow? I think the lectionary does a great job. Lectionary is the, the schedule of the readings when we have this reading from Romans. Paul has given us a recipe of what it means to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow Jesus. Just listen. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. When we are persecuted, when we have people who are railing against us and putting us down, human nature is that we want to respond in kind. Because we are not feeling the love at that moment. I mean, even take persecution on the side. I mentioned this in, in the, the adult Bible study. When you drive on the road and someone cuts you off, are you feeling loving thoughts? No. You, you may say things or say hi in a different type of way. Um, you don't, you're not feeling it because it's an immediate response that we have that when we are attacked, we're hurt. We're hurt. We've experienced trauma and abuse. We've experienced hurt and pain. And that hurts. Hurt people hurt people is the phrase. And we're hurting. And what Paul is saying, he's not saying you're going to be perfect at this He's not saying that you're going to get this right all the time. 
He's giving us a path, something to pay attention to, because we're gonna screw it up. And yet, it's because, so I, I said this also in the, in the Bible study, we do not have an if-then theology, a transactional theology of if I do this, God will give me this. Kind of like if I go to the store and I pay money, I get something in return. We do not have that type of a theology. We have a Wizard of Oz theology, which is because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does, therefore I can. It's not transactional. It's the Wizard of Oz in theology, which is a weird way of putting it, but rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Now that, that sounds pretty, pretty easy, but you ever felt jealous? Rejoice with those who rejoice because they've experienced something wonderful. Weep with those who weep. Often we just want to push things off on the side because weeping is painful. Live in harmony with one another. Gosh, that's easy, right? No. no you just, I just finished a book. It's by Ezra Klein called Why We're Polarized. I don't need to say any more. <laughs> Do not be haughty. Do you know what haughty is? Stuck up, arrogant, I'm better than somebody else, those type of things. Wow, it, our culture really kind of helps that along, right? Humbleness? No. No. This is countercultural stuff that we're talking about here. Associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Oh, I'm the smartest person in the room. No. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. Part of it is if we take on, if we have a just cause and we take on evil practices to institute that, then we have become the very thing that we despise. Because Christianity, Paul talks about this, Jesus talks about this, is not about the ends justifying the means. That is not a Christian way of going about things. The end is important, but the means and how we get there is, how, is what's really important. Christianity early on was called the way. It wasn't the end, it was the way. It's how we live, it's how we do this that matters. And then it says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you'll heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Wow. That's a tall order. Especially in a society that does not support that. And that's not just our society, that's just humanity. Look at human history. That's, that's, people don't understand why somebody would do that. I wanna share with you a story that I found that I think illustrates this very well. This was a story that was written in 2013 and it harkens back to 
Uh, there's a woman, Keisha Thomas, uh, a black woman who at the time, this goes back into the 90s, but I think this, is, this could have been written today. She was 18 years old. And uh, there was a Klan, Ku Klux Klan rally in her hometown of Ann Arbor, Michigan at the time. And so there was some protests there, counter protests. And of course there were police officers who were there and they're in their, all of their gear and everything and they're there to keep the protesters and the Klansmen separate from each other is the idea of course. Trying to maintain some sense of order in that um, it says that uh, the protesters were behind a fence. So it was a fenced off area for the Klan to hold their rally and everyone else had to be outside of that fence. And so what happened is, probably not surprising, things turned ugly because when there's violent rhetoric, that has an impact. And so what happened was there was a woman holding a megaphone who noticed one of the men among them wearing a Confederate t-shirt and she reported, she notified the protesters who then chased him down from the crowd. And uh, they were yelling, kill the Nazi, before knocking him down and then beating him with wood sticks. And, and Keisha Thomas saw this. And she said, when people are in a crowd, they're more likely to do things they would never do as an individual. Someone had to step out of the pack and say, this isn't right. Consequently, she threw herself down over this person's body, over the, this, this man who was there yelling insults at folks like her to protect him. And there was a cameraman, a student photographer who witnessed this and he said, she put herself at physical risk to protect someone who, in my opinion, would not have done the same for her. That's an understatement. This is the quote that got me. Who does that in this world? Well, Jesus. Jesus shows up in a variety of different ways. And, and the shapes and forms and colors and heights and languages and everything. Ways that we don't expect, ways that we may not like. I mean, I don't know how I feel about how the clan, not good. That's an understatement. Um, here she does this, wow. Who does that in this world? Jesus, Jesus does. The Spirit embodies us, helps us to see that if we, we're not gonna get it all right. But the neat thing about this story is that later, a few months later, a man came into uh, her coffee shop and thanked her for what she had done and said, that was my dad, who she had saved his life. 
And she said, for the most part, people who hurt, they come from hurt. It's a cycle. Let's say they, have, they would have killed him or hurt him really bad. How does the son feel? Does he carry on the violence? When Jesus is talking about being the Messiah who is going to go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, be killed and on the third day be raised. The reason why Peter doesn't like it is because he's not fighting back. And Jesus knows that love is what conquers all. Not to continue a cycle of violence, which is what Rome was about, which is what so much of humanity has been about, but instead that there is a different way. There is a different path forward, and it is costly. It is costly, and it is not easy, and there is not a whole lot of support. This is why we gather as community, because we can't do this alone. We can't do it alone. We're not Jesus, but Jesus is in us. Who does this in this world? That's what we're called to. Not because we can do it on our own, but because Jesus inhibits, it takes, it goes into us. We take, we take Jesus literally into us to transform us and to go out and do this in this world. Thanks be to God. Thank you again for listening to the Sermon Podcast. I'm always happy to have a conversation or pray with you. Please reach out either by email to pastor at christharrisburg.org or call me at 717-236-8382. I'd also invite you to be part of worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're a very diverse, open, affirming, and laid-back congregation. Christ Lutheran Church is located at 124 South 13th Street in Harrisburg. Parking is along the street. You can enter the building through the side entrance on South 13th Street or at the corner of 13th and Thompson Streets. And lastly, check us out on the web. Our website is ChristHarrisburg.org. There you can learn more about and offer your support for the congregation as well as the health ministries and free clinics that we provide to people in need in our neighborhood. I invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram also at Christ Lutheran Harrisburg. Thank you. I look forward to connecting with you, and I pray that you have a blessed week.